simply by getting somebody on a bike for 10 minutes, even if it's a tricycle with a mask, it just changes my whole personality when I when I ride that bike. You rarely do you see somebody on a bicycle frowning. If you do, that's somebody with a real uh, a real big problem. You really need to help them. Fernando, thank you. Uh, so I would say that bikes change lives. It changed my life. I think it changed the commissioner's life too. But I have seen hundreds of people that the bikes have helped them with their health issues. Hi, everyone. You've tuned in to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity in our communities. I'm John Simmerman, founder of the Active Towns Initiative and your host for this podcast journey. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always so wonderful to have you along for the ride. The voices you just heard in the cold open were Harris County Precinct 1 Commissioner Rodney Ellis and the Precinct 1 Bicycle Programs Director Fernando Martinez. Harris County, as many of you may know, includes Houston, Texas, which is home to nearly 5 million residents. This is episode number 38, and it's a darn good one. Commissioner Ellis and Fernando talk about some of the truly exciting advances in active mobility that they are involved with in Houston generally and in Precinct 1 specifically. They share a bit of background information on their enthusiastic support of the Houston B-Cycle Bike Share Program. They also proudly acknowledge that they are recognized at the county as a gold-level bicycle-friendly employer by the League of American Bicyclists in the Bicycle Friendly America program. But before we get started, please allow me this quick moment to mention that this episode is being brought to you by the generous support of our donors and our monthly Patreon program patrons. For those of you who might be in a position to also help out, we have several incredibly convenient ways for you to donate. I hope you will consider making a contribution in any amount by clicking on the links provided in the show notes or through the donate button on our website at activetowns, that's plural, dot O-R-G. Thank you all so much for helping out in any way that you can. I really do appreciate whatever support you're able to provide. Okay, with all that said, let's get this conversation with Commissioner Ellis and Fernando Martinez rolling. Commissioner Ellis and Fernando Martinez, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you on the Active Towns podcast here today. Thank you for having us, John. It's a, a privilege to be with you. I admire your work. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, you know what? To get us started, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about yourselves? Well, John, I'm a longtime public servant. I went on the Houston City Council in 1984. Prior to that, I went to school in Austin for a master's and a law degree, LBJ school, then a law school, undergrad school, Xavier, New Orleans, and Texas Southern. Then I started working for Bill Hobby at the Capitol, then went to Congressman Mickey Leland's office as his chief of staff. And that was really my opportunity uh, under his mentorship to end up with a seat on the Houston City Council. Then I was in the state Senate, representing the district out of Houston and parts of Fort Bend County for 26 years. And then I became a Harris County Commissioner. Uh, three years ago. Uh, I've always enjoyed cycling. I don't think I ever really stopped. I know when I was in Washington, D.C. as chief of staff to Congressman Leland at 81, they had a pretty good trail network in Washington, D.C., even back then. And when I went to the state Senate, I was riding. It was really through um, Fernando's predecessor organization, Bike Texas. Robin Stallings came to me and uh, got me to pass that bill so they could get a percentage of the revenue from license plates. I think God bless Texas, share the road, which helped really make that organization, which Fernando was with, at least when I met him, a premier advocacy group among state associations. And Robert and I teamed up with Fernando. We started these bipartisan bike rides around the state capitol. Then we started it at the Conference of State Legislators. And uh, he put the pictures up behind him there. In fact, first one was in Seattle. And uh, we, we got a local Republican legislator, and I'm a Democrat, and we, we got other politicians to show up, some just to take the photo, and a, a bunch of lobbyists. But we did that all around the country. Every year, for I'd say a good 15, 16 years, all across the country. 
And then Fernando and Robin got me on the network. I've met Pendulosa. I went to speak in uh, at a cycling conference in uh, uh, in Brazil. I was in Vancouver. I go around the country. So I kind of became known as the cycling senator. Now I say I'm the cycling commissioner. Wherever I go in the country, we started a bipartisan ride with the National Association of County Officials. The state folk ought to get it going again. They stopped when I left. But various groups come in. A big part of our interest is getting communities of color into cycling. And that's one reason why we recruited Fernando from Brownsville to come to Houston. He'll tell you how long he's been here. But look, I don't want to be remembered as just another pot belly county commissioner building roads, which my old Senate colleague said, oh, Ellis will be rotund, belly hanging out over his suits, won't be wearing a pot belly county commissioner just building roads, toll roads. So we have put an inordinate amount of money into complete streets. If I do a road, it has to have a trail. Uh, we're doing bike trails all over the place. When you come to Houston, John, you'd be shocked. I teamed up with Parks by You. We got a network of these Bayou trails that are fantastic. We took them over the, the hoop. I think it was $100 million public money, $120 million non-for-profit philanthropic community. They might have been about, I don't know what it was, $8 million short, Fernando. We took them over the hump to finish the gap in low-income neighborhoods. We're doing a lot for cycling. Uh, it's hard to keep up with Austin, but we're much bigger. And uh, I'm hoping by the time Fernando and I are finished, Houston, Harris County, particularly our precinct, Precinct 1, which is bigger than New York City, 1.1 million people. But I'm hoping that we will be considered one of the great biking, mecca, pedestrian, walkable areas on Earth. Fernando, you want to tell your story? Yes, thank you. So um, I'm from Mexico City. I uh, started uh, being around bicycles when I was 13 years old. Fixing, uh, creating, we used to weld our own frames, painting, uh, we create, um, or actually fabricate uh, uh, seeds, you name it, a lot of parts in Mexico. And a lot of people say, well, you know, you were uh, you're working when you were 13 years old. I said, yes, I was. I was learning about bicycles. So that was my f first experience. Then I move, uh, I'll move on. I've, I've worked in Mexico for nine years on, on bicycle industry. Then I came to the U.S. thanks to the biking, allowed me to stay in the U.S. Do know my immigration uh, papers and all that. So thanks to biking and the knowledge that I have for nine years, it allowed me to uh, come to uh, work at um, in the U.S. So back in the time, I used to work about city bikes in Washington D.C. That's when I met Robin Stallings. Worked for him for nine years. And at the time, between um, Mexico and, and the U.S., I started racing bicycles, road bikes, and um, became a career for me. So I was working at the shop, racing on the weekends, and uh, training during the week. So uh, the first, my first experience in the U.S. is that we never owned a car in Mexico. My family never owned a car in Mexico. So we used to walk, use public transportation, or use a bicycle as transportation. So when I came to the U.S., I live in Maryland, in uh, Winter, Maryland, and work in D.C., almost 20 miles. So I had to uh, walk, take a bus, take a metro, and walk again, about almost two hours to get to the, to the job. So when I got my bike, my, my dad sent me my bike to D.C., and I started riding. It took me an hour and a half to get to my job, so with no expenses, and I was getting fit. I was uh, training for my races, so, and I was on time on, on my bike, and I never had an excuse. Rain, shine, you know, you name it, I was, I was riding my bike. But we had the bike infrastructure back in place as we wanted it, safe for everybody. So when you have experience riding a bike, it's easy to move around. But when you, when you don't have that experience, it becomes very difficult. It becomes challenging for people to do so. Working with the WABA Association, with City Bikes, uh, doing the advocacy with driving and other groups, we start um, advocating for uh, safe places for people to ride bikes from all over the region, Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. But I was focusing on the experience with the Spanish community because I didn't know anybody that was not riding a bicycle that was Spanish. So we encouraged people to ride bikes. We started growing the bike shop business thanks to the Spanish community because the bike shop was located in the Spanish neighborhood. So we started doing all that stuff. Then I moved to Miami. I got hired to manage three bike shops, and um, it was a good experience, but it was not as, uh, as good as I had it in D.C. 
Then I moved to Mexico for some time to visit family. I, I was hoping to go to see my family since it was a few years that I didn't see him. And um, then Robin called me again. He moved from D.C. to Austin. And he called me and said, Fernando, you know, uh, we need your experience. Come and join us. So I, I went in Austin uh, in 1999. That's when I moved first time in Austin. Austin is not Austin the way it was now. The way it, was now. it used to be like very uh, space, uh, you know, between uh, areas, communities. So it was not really a nice area to bike. And then we got in to do more, working with more motorcyclists in a, in a different perspective, not just transportation. Then with the time I moved to Mexico, I was the national sales manager for a larger manufacturer uh, called Benotto in Mexico. We changed the way um, the company was doing business. And then when that uh, worked out, it was time for me to come back to the U.S. So then when I came, I worked for Pride Texas for 15 years. And we did the largest ever school program. Thanks to commissioner where he was senator, he helped us to, to do some work on that. And we took that... Um, model of uh, the West Texas Sierra School model, regional model, to the um, uh, Congress. And uh, that's when uh, I believe they got about $620 million for Sierra School initiatives in the U.S., thanks to um, uh, Congress Overstar and uh, other people that work together. So then after that, we um, just continue working. And just like Commissioner said, we start helping organizing the uh, NCSL by right, National Congress of State Legislators' Rights every year for 15 years, and doing all kind of advocacy, uh, sending bike lights to different um, uh, organizations and schools all over Texas. Um, I was managing several schools, national, uh, sorry, national, it's called the Sierra School PINE Educational Program. It was distributing books, um, bookmarks, lights to all the kids in, in the state of Texas. We distributed over 2.5 million books and about uh, 120,000 lights. So it was about, we were thinking about safety for people to want to ride bikes, especially creating the new era of new cyclists. When the kids become adults, then they're driving, they know how to protect cyclists, and at the same time, they know how to ride a bike. So now Austin is Austin, thanks to some of the efforts that we did with Bike Texas, because the kids that we helped them in the past, now they're drivers and they're, they, you know, they're changing. So that's um, how we move. Then um, I... Part of the team of the commissioner list. Uh, thanks for inviting me to be on the team, and it was it's a pleasure and honor to be on, on this team. And uh, we're trying to improve uh, Houston uh, uh, lifestyles for people and in, uh, in the whole Precinct One area, organizing bike rides, and providing bicycles, and and you'll see. Uh, it's, it's 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 a lot of work, but uh, thanks to commissioner and the staff, um, it's moving forward really quick. Well, let's dive into a little bit of that great work that's being done uh, down there in the Houston area, in Harris County, in Precinct 1, because I have to tell you, you guys keep hitting my radar screen. I keep seeing these wonderful headlines coming out of your area. So kudos to you. For each of you, let's highlight one program right now up front that you're particularly proud of that is moving forward here in 2020. Mention yes, one I'm gonna give you two. First one is expansion of B cycle. Look, the first time I heard about it, I was uh, in the Senate, and it was I think it started over in Paris. It was Villeb or Velo, whatever it is. And so, Robin Fernando, I don't know if you hooked it up. I know you have a network around the world, but I was going to a conference for the state legislators in Paris, and so they connected with somebody in the mayor's office, and so they probably figured, oh. Some state senator from America, Texas, Yahoo, hot belly, steaks. And so this young kid showed up, met me somewhere near City Hall in, in Pais, and uh, maybe around about 10 a.m. So I, he was going to ride with me. I'm sure he thought it'd be about an hour. About five o'clock, no helmet, the young person left, and they, they, I had access to the bike, and I had to turn it in. So the guy was trying to call me. I wasn't answering my U.S. phone. So he was trying to go into my office at all. 10 o'clock at night, I turned the bike in. I was so impressed. I came back. Lee Brown was mayor of Houston. So I wrote a letter to uh, Mayor Brown and the city council trying to get them to do this V-lobe. And back then, it was such a strange thing to say, you pull this bike out of a kiosk 
and you ride it around, then you go to another kiosk. So I couldn't get them to bite. And uh, so finally, Houston did do it. I think it was Blue Cross Blue Shield put up about $750,000, I don't know, six years ago, something like that, seven, eight years ago, to start B-Cycle in Houston. In the position we're in now, we've given them about $2.5 million. And with the last million dollars, we put up a challenge. Use it or lose it in one year. We want to take our money to leverage. So we're giving them a million dollars to do some electric bikes. And all because it's so hot here, obviously. No hills other than the man-made hills, obviously, in Houston. And I like Austin, other places in the world. But so that, and we, we leverage our money. I know we can only spend what we have, but we can serve as a catalyst for the broader, broader community. The city of Houston's bike plan. Here's the second one. Big expansion of B-Cycle. We've done it. We're going to surpass Austin. I mean, obviously, about 5 million people in this region, 2.3 in the city. But let me tell you, if they can take more money, I just want to match. I'd give them $2 million. In fact, you're the first to hear it. If they can match it, I'll take out a precinct one. It's your money, tax dollars money. For that. No, you pay taxes here. I'll give them another $2 million. In fact, I'll match the $2.5 we've given them. I'll give them another $2.5, but they got to match it. On streets, the first money we put in, uh, they did a report card on what Houston had done and the city hadn't done quite enough. Maybe they're giving, giving, us, giving the city a DIF and maybe giving the county a DIF. So at this event, three years ago, I made a commitment with the mayor there. I would give them $10 million of county money, which normally historically only went for unincorporated. It didn't go in the city of Houston. $10 million for bike lanes, but they had to use it or lose it in one year. Then you got to do community engagement. You know what that's like. You got to argue with people who won't, who are car centric, won't park in lots. You got to have a garage. Oh, we want to park on the street as well. So it took us about a year and a half. We spent our 10 million. City, I want to bring them along, be better partners. They spent about a half a million. That commitment was to give me the 2.1 million they committed to that bike plan over a four year period. So I said, you got 2.1 million a year. Put that 2.1 a year in Precinct 1. And in exchange for that, 4.4 million, I will give you $10 million of taxpayers' money. And so they still owe us uh, about $4.1 million. Uh, but look, so far, we probably, I would say, Fernando, I don't have this in these notes. I bet we, I'm sure we have committed $100 million at least of county dollars to go do bike trails, pedestrian paths in the city limits, including the Bayou Greenways gap that we fill, and we're going to do more. In fact, before this last round of local elections, I committed up to, I, can't, I, I, I may have the number wrong, but I would take all of the mobility funds I have and put them in the bike lanes, pedestrian paths, if the city would match it. So we're looking for partners with the management districts, with the tourists. I want to leverage this money so we'll encourage them to go to the other three commissioners and ask them. Uh, I know I gave you two, but those are two things I want to do. I want to, before the end of this next term, I'll end this term in January, before the end of my next term, uh, I want to have put on the streets uh, at least $100 million in new bike lanes, pedestrian paths, pedestrian bridges in this precinct. And that's a bold plan. And I hope I leverage it and get somebody to match with me. Then Fernando does the programming side. It would be for naught. That's the third thing, not that you asked me. But you can't just build this infrastructure. To some extent, we take an attitude. If they build it, if we build it, they'll come. But Fernando has to go get them out there, particularly communities of color. It can't be, you know, folks like Fernando and I, we've made it. Uh, I don't want just people who are in opposition in life. I want people where we started in life, in the Hispanic community and the African-American community out there on these bicycles. Obesity is such a problem in these communities of color, and this is part of it. Yeah, Fernando. Yes, um, so um, regarding the uh, infrastructure, it has to be safe for everybody to ride. So that's one of the, the uh, actually the main goal. So that way we can encourage uh, people all over all ages to come and, and uh, ride with us. Uh, on the programming side, so basically my job is to activate those areas, trails, um, bayous, 
um, the bike lanes that are being finished and constructed on the construction side. So we can uh, invite people and let them know where those bike lanes are, how to connect them through the neighborhoods or the uh, actual downtown. So there's a, a really good, I think it's already finished, it's a um, separate bike lanes that goes from LBJ Hospital to the zoo area and all those parks. So a lot of the people that I met with, they say, who wants to go from the zoo area to the LBJ Hospital? I say, nobody, right? No, nobody wants to go there. But what about the people that live in that area? They want to come to the zoo. They want to enjoy the parks. They want to come and, and be part of something. That's the main um, you know, idea. The, main, the mission is to bring these people into these locations. So, so it's kind of that equity, that equity lens, Fernando. Yes. So, right. you know, Herman Park is, you know, you, you've been to Houston. You know, everybody knows Herman Park, right? adjacent to the medical center. So you could have looked at it. I took the route this morning. So from Herman Park to downtown, great scenic. But if I'm going to spend this money from the poor, impoverished district that I represent, not just the area where I live, but most of the people don't live the way I live in this precinct. So LBJ is the county hospital. It would be your Brackenridge, which is downtown. LBJ is way out. And where we get to flash, Fernando, when we ride it is from downtown getting the LBJ. Yeah. So instead of, I like the way you did, instead of talking about the park, the trail being from Herman Park, the LBJ Hospital, because they'd say, who wants to do that? Well, it's the other way. We want people from LBJ Hospital walking or riding to Herman Park. Then maybe they won't be in LBJ Hospital. It's the fitness point. And we got to go do rides because that's where they're throwing the glass on those trails now. But as we fix it up, yeah. and we may name that one. I thought of this this morning, Fernando, when I was riding it. Not all the way to LBJ. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't have made it back for this on time. We may name that one the Major Taylor Bikeway. as one in Chicago. Or if we don't get permission from Major Taylor's foundation or whatever it is. You know who he is, obviously, John. Uh, yeah. We could call it to Taylor Lewis because I'm going to call Carl Lewis today <laughs> before this rain comes in and ask him to ride with me. And so I can say, and then Carl would tell people they ought to run it or walk it. No, walk it. And, you know. <laughs> but Fernando, you got to get them out there on it because it would be a waste to build all this infrastructure. If we mm -hmm. only see people who accomplish like us in spandex out here riding. Uh, we want people who can't afford a car. One of the mission um, for the bike program for uh, commissioners, um, you know, it's uh, to be leaders of initiatives, uh, be leaders of models for the United States. And I think the bike program that we started here, I haven't heard, maybe you have heard, John, but I haven't heard of any county or city that has a bike program in the U.S., that is managed by staff, by the, the county or the city. The bike program that we provide is for, for youth, for families, adults, and for seniors. So our youngest rider is uh, six years old, or all this is 94. So we um, She's on that three-wheel. She doesn't like to call it a trike. Mm -hmm. She's on a three-wheel three bike, which is a misnomer. Yes. So we have about uh, 300, or a little over 300 bicycles, all types from kids bikes to um, e-bikes, uh, hybrid bikes, folding bikes, you name it. We have all type of tricycles and tricycles are the most popular because people that when I started bike program um, in the, with the precinct, they said that they couldn't keep the balance anymore on a two-wheeler. So we brought the three-wheelers. We have about 55 uh, three-wheelers and people are just going crazy joining in one week in one of the community centers is called Hester House. We had over 200 rides in one week. And that was amazing with five tricycles only. So people were sharing. It was kind of like a tricycle share thing going on. And it, it was nice. So um, the people in this community center, they eat lunch. So we encourage them to, to get the lunch, to get do some kind of exercise before the lunch so they can get the lunch. And they were just going on and that. And uh, we provide... Uh, Bicycles for people, for kids. We have organized um, bike rodeos. We had one of the largest bike rodeos in Houston with over 350 kids at the uh, Street Olympics last year. And people were just so happy to see that. We did it inside NRG because it was hot yes. as hell, obviously, in August. And, yes. <laughs> and it worked just fine. So it's just like that. We're encouraging people to take a bike safety class. And 90 
5% of the seniors that have taken the class, they never heard about bike safety class in the past. They never took one. So now they are like, they feel like, okay, I'm learning something when I'm over 55 years old. So the first bike safety class that we organized, um, we had 84 seniors. And I remember commissioner said, how do you keep 84 seniors in one room for two and a half hours? And I said, we just talk, we learn from them, we see what they need, we tell them what, you know, about safety and all that, and then we take them for a bike ride. And that they were all so happy. So the, the program before the COVID-19, we had over 3,000 trips between uh, March 2019 and March 2020. So it's, you know, now the COVID is here, we have our program on hold, but as soon as we can, we're gonna come back and, and rethink how we're gonna do the, the new uh, bike programming. John, I wanted to mention to you, you know, Fernando has his network around the globe. He mentioned he's originally from Mexico. Fernando, you were training to be a professional cyclist, right? Yes. In Mexico. So I guess you hooked that up. Some years ago when I was in the state Senate, I was going to something, some conference in Mexico City. I wanted to do a bike ride. You know, they they, they got a great network. And uh, so I went with these folks. And so we were in some neighborhood. There was some woman who was like a social justice advocate. She was involved in criminal justice reforms in the U.S. as well. So they told me these guys, it's wherever they had the, the demonstration and a lot of students were killed, like October something. Then they, what was that? You know what I'm talking about, Fernando? Yes. And, and this bike trail, it goes from where there are a lot of Spanish classes, a lot of people learning Spanish and English. Cuernavaca, is that it? It's you a, go from yes. there on into Mexico City. So we yes. get to this rough neighborhood, and they said, you know, I had my little notes while I was working my little Spanish. I took French in college and school. So they said, don't say anything. Don't try to speak Spanish. Things were a little rough in this area. So all I remember was when these guys came up who were drunk. And uh, I remember three words, something about Negro, Black, Cubano, and Loco. So because whatever they said, you know, they were saying something. Why won't he talk? Sound like they were saying, why won't he talk? So I said something in a, a cuss word I knew in Spanish, and they let me go. So then the guy said something about Negro, Cubano, and Loco, crazy black Cuban. <laughs> but he has a heck of a network all around the globe, and he uses that, is my point, to give us ideas. Like he sent me a video somewhere in some city. They had a crosswalk that was an elliptical illusion. And we put our first one in out in an unincorporated area because we got to go through some hoops with the city of Houston to do it. We got about, what, 30% of this precinct is unincorporated. 70% is in the, in the city. But when I was on that uh, soon-to-be, hopefully, Major Taylor or Carl Lewis Bikeway, whatever we whatever name we, we, we come up with, over by a community college, and I want to try one of those elliptical illusions. You got to have a stop sign. But you know what I'm talking about, John? So my point yeah. is we, we're going global. If some of your listeners have an idea somewhere else, that's the beauty I'm finding here in county government, you know, hell, I'll try it. And uh, we don't have to go through a lot of hoops. I have to get a city to agree or do it in the unincorporated uh, area. But we're looking for those ideas. We really want to be uh, remembered when we leave this place, having made this a more walkable, bikeable community once we're out of public service. We're learning from the best practices. Commissioner went to Seville, Spain, and Barcelona. He knows Manuel Calvo and Haritz, and uh, John knows them too. So um, thanks to this uh, traveling the commissioner is doing, um, he brings the ideas and shares with us, and then we had to work to make it happen. And it's not when I go, I go on the campaign now. Don't, don't, don't say I put that on the, on the county. Hey, but, but it'll be a long time before we can travel again. We better enjoy these trails in our, in our own backyards, John. We, you, and, you and Austin and us here. When we return, we discuss the impact of the current pandemic, the further investment in and expansion of the B-Cycle bike share system, and the importance of aligned partnerships in funding and promoting the built environment. 
But before we roll back into that conversation, just a quick moment of pause to say, if you're enjoying the Active Towns podcast, please be sure to subscribe to it on the listening platform of your choice. And if that system gives you the ability to rate and review, such as on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, those ratings and reviews really do help out a bunch. Okay, that's all for this short intermission. Let's get back up to speed with Commissioner Ellis and Fernando Martinez. We're in the midst of a global pandemic, and here in Texas, it's particularly uh, bad right now. Talk a little bit about that spirit of testing things and trying things out and trying to create uh, healthy opportunities for people to get some physical activity in, but at the same time, do some physical distancing. What have you all been doing down in Precinct 1? Well, Fernando would get us in a world of trouble. Some of our other colleagues on our staff think that, uh, you know, maybe some people would look at it as frivolous, but we've decided, and Fernando has my ear, we're doing a reverse of that. So on B-Cycle, I think I'd given them, maybe we paid for, I don't know, maybe about a, uh, maybe $400,000 worth of B-Cycle stations. And then during this pandemic, Fernando, I can't remember if you were riding with me one day, and the guy Doogie, who repairs the bikes, he's number two over there. Uh, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to put something on the agenda because they, they couldn't get a match. Federal money, usually I was matching. I said, we'll pay for another, you know, whatever it was, 400000 worth. And then I thought about how hot it was. I had something to do, and I rode my bike to the office, and I was soaking wet. I had to get in the car, go home, take a shower, and come back to do whatever I was doing. And I figured, it's hot as hell here. So maybe they were testing, I don't know, 25 electric bikes. I just put it on the agenda and didn't even tell them to put in enough money for 100 electric bikes. So the city was upset because they're worried about, you know, in in, in uh, Europe, so in Amsterdam, some of these old people my age are rolling around on these electric bikes having wrecks like they're crazy. You know, they're getting out of control. Not so, but you could just adjust the the speedometer or whatever it is so they can't go as fast. Uh, but we just did it. And then I felt so good about it, although we were getting some pushback from my colleagues on the staff saying some people might criticize us for doing it now. But I'm going to these bike stores. That's nothing you can buy. It's all gone. And that's when I decided, you know what, uh, even if some of our advisors, some of my colleagues on staff are saying, we don't know how this will look, we put that million up and said, use it or lose it. And it was all they could do to keep me to a million. If B-Cycle said they could do more, they do it. But look, we uh, have asked our toll road authority to look at closing down on Sunday, like you do Sunday streets, closing down some of a lane on these toll roads on the weekend. Very few people are on them anyway, protecting them like Pendulosa did in um, Bogota. Uh, and so they're working up a plan to do that. And we also have asked them to look at the feasibility of a protected route bike trail from Houston to Galveston. Now, I'm working with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. I don't want to get ahead of her because she wants a federal designation for the Emancipation Trail. And we don't want to mess that up. Uh, but we, we're looking into the legality of the county even paying the funder road outside Harris County to Galveston. I think there's something in state law where we can do that because they were going to do it at the Bolivar Peninsula. But that could be quite a tourist destination. On Juneteenth, the Sunday before Juneteenth, we did a ride. Uh, the first, which will become an annual uh, emancipation trail bike ride. So we started off, Fernando, what, 6.30, 7.30 in the morning in Galveston in that heat yes. on yeah. Juneteenth, took a nice tour. What did we have, 30 people? Yes, about 25, 25 people. We may do it again on New, on New Year's Day, which is when he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. We'll say since we got to work two and a half years and a good three, four crops later, but, so we, we're doing that. But we look, people are out there. They're going to open up this trail that I talked about from uh, Herman Park all the way to LBJ Hospital. I think we almost completed it. We're going to do that ribbon cutting soon. But people out there, and look, we encourage people on the B-cycle stations. They've done it. We just put the money in. But they've closed down some stations that are too active on holiday weekends. Uh, they had to take some of those B-cycle stations out of downtown 
during the various demonstrations over the George Floyd uh, tragedy. And uh, I wear a mask when I go in some ways of being examined. And we don't know how this stuff is transmitted. You know, if it's being transmitted uh, through the air. So it's a pain. But when it's hot, if I come near somebody, I put a mask on. Uh, I'm limiting my rides. We did the Juneteenth ride. But most rides I do, you know, I'll peel off. I'm not doing those large rides. I, I don't do, you know, I know that the advocates discourage me from doing critical mass anyway. But in Houston, I did get Mayor Parker, when she was in, to give them some security so they're working because they're doing it. Now, I wouldn't get in one of those in this environment. But you got a lot of groups springing up. We still work with two of the hood every once in a while, Vion Mac Reynolds and his group. But, you know, Vion is I love him. But he's pretty far out there. You know, he goes at night and he goes so far. <laughs> and I have to be worried as a public official because if somebody gets hurt, they they won't remember that Fernando and Ellis were trying to get people out on bicycles. The headline would just be somebody got hurt on a ride that Precinct 1 was doing. He always makes sure that people sign the waivers when we take them riding. Fernando, can you think of other things? Some things on hold, obviously, like your your classes at the centers are on hold now uh, because of, of health concerns. Correct. And um, just to give you a number, John, about um, it's 33,000 bike rides recorded in May for the B-cycle in Houston. And that's, uh, which is all time height. And so that's very good. So that means a lot of people riding, they're renting the bikes. Now, uh, when you go to bike shops here in Houston, bike shops don't have bicycles. Um, they have few of them high end. But the lower end, uh, the on target Walmart, you can find bicycles in those places. It's as hard to find. And now what uh, people are doing is people that had used bikes that have been in the garage for some long time, they're putting for sale on Facebook or, you know, different areas to uh, make some money at the same time to get the bikes out for people in need. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is about the Houston Parks Board. They are working on the Bayou Trails. And uh, that's uh, uh, it's good to mention them because they're doing a, a really good work on that. And about maybe by, um, uh, I think it was the end of this year, they had to have about 150 miles of Bayou Trails, if I'm not mistaken. I put that in and finished the last two. Uh, a couple of them may be a little slower because those are flood control, county control, bayous, waterways. The city put up $100 million in a bond package. They raised, they committed 120 raised 112 We put the last eight in. We have 22 parks that we control, 11 community centers. We're doing trails throughout all of those parks. We're connecting those parks with neighborhoods. During this slowdown, we're trying to accelerate these projects because people are not driving cars as much, at least. So we put about $30 million to redo streets around Texas Southern and University of Houston. That's our education corridor. Streets we do have to have 10-foot sidewalks on each side. We're narrowing uh, those streets. I'm hoping we can put more of these optical illusions in. I just read something here that they told me that it's this nationwide 49% of people in, in the cycling category earn less than 25000 per year. In Houston, that figure is closer to 42% according to the Kenda Institute. So there are a lot of people who cannot afford a car. I think the average cost of owning a car is over $8,000 according to AAA. So that's a lot uh, that we can do. We're getting B-cycles in our parks, by the way. This is the first one. Deucin is way out there. And so with that million we put in, they're going to do some stations there. Uh, if we need to make some county space available for them to work or store stuff, we're going to do it. And if you come up, John, with another idea we haven't thought about and we can come up with the funding, we'll do it. We, we, we want to be on the edge and try things out of new. Yeah, and I think you touched upon it earlier, is that that the beauty of the B-Cycle electric assist bike is going to really open up a lot more possibility for you. And especially, as you mentioned, uh, situations where individuals may have longer distances that they need to go to, to meet, you know, to go through their daily needs and get to meaningful destinations. So you touched upon, both of you touched upon it a little bit, but why don't you address what you feel the biggest challenges are that you're facing in Precinct 1 to become a more bicycle-friendly area? I would say in part, finding partners to help us fund the infrastructure. This is a car-centric city. This region, Texas is. You know, we're better known for our pickup trucks. Everybody drives the big old guzzlers. 
so that safe infrastructure is important. And then you got to get people to try. Uh, so with those B cycle stations in low income neighborhoods, I think for the third ward, we worked out a program where for $3 a month, you can get access to a B cycle deal. You got to have them put some skin in the game or the bicycle won't show up again. You know, it didn't work when we were trying to do the line bike and other people who were trying to do the dockless uh, bikes. Now, hopefully at some point the city put them out. If they figure that out, it'll help. You got to figure out somewhere where you store them. You can't have them uh, everywhere. But looking for partners is a big problem. And then we got to train both sides. The public to be more conscious of people on bicycles and cyclists to obey the rules. So I think uh, in this next year, I should have mentioned that as a goal. Then I guess I've gone to three. You asked me for one. Well, we've got to launch an awareness campaign. And maybe maybe, maybe if we get Carl Lewis and other folks, these rappers or some people, sports figures, to encourage people to share the road, to just pay attention when you're out there. But look, a lot of people, you see them out, I guess, everywhere. When I talk to friends around the country and around the globe, people out walking uh, in neighborhoods on streets and then with a drink, that's less traffic. But when the traffic comes back, and it will, that's going to be a challenge. But that's what that, I think that's my biggest one, finding partners and still changing an attitude. You know, like even among our colleagues, there's a fear that there'll be a backlash because I'm putting so much into bike and pedestrian paths. Uh, when most politicians figure they get reelected because they built another road and they're not complete streets. Yes, uh- Commissioner is right. It's uh, finding the partnerships and then uh, changing the uh, vision of people. Um, a lot of people that are no, um, they don't use bicycles or they're you know being involved with bicycles. To change their minds is difficult. But when we get them on bicycles, then they start changing their attitude. They change their, you know, the vision. But they have to get on the bikes. Commissioner always said that uh, if you want to talk to me, get on the bike. Correct, Commissioner? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote this morning, you know, look, and I'm always careful. I put the one one in one ear and thank God I'm on a protected lane. But I probably did about 20 calls this morning. You know, so it means I'm not riding at a, at a hard pace. Look, y'all are still ahead of us in Austin. So we got a long way to go and we're much larger area. But it's good. We want to create this healthy competition. I'm not getting the competition so far from my colleagues on commissioners court, nor am I getting as much interest from the city. But I'm hoping to encourage more of that. Everybody will say they uh, have a complete streets policy until they build a street. Uh, but we got to, a lot of times you got to just build it and they will come. We did it with the roads. We built all these toll roads around the state and around the community streets. And, and then people came. Well, and I think there's a little bit about how we change our community members' relationship with their street. And you mentioned, both of you sort of mentioned it in passing there, is that because of the current pandemic, we're seeing more people walking and biking, feeling like, especially in their neighborhoods, uh, taking over street space because the cars are gone for the most part. And we're, we're definitely seeing it in many neighborhoods here in Austin. And we're hearing about this all around the globe is that people are needing additional physical distancing, additional space they need for their health to be able to get some physical activity in. And so sort of re-envisioning what the street is for is a big part of being able to then, as we come back out of the pandemic, and we want to do bold things, we want to say, hey, let's have some protected all ages and abilities, high comfort bike lanes on critical streets. We hope, and 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 you can you know c- kind of chime in on this uh, as to what you're seeing in Precinct One. We hope that that means people will be more receptive to it. What are, what do you think about that? Well, well, part of it is John podcasts like this one, getting people who get it, the notion of walkable, bikeable communities active and active in politics and willing to seize the momentum. This is a time to do that because cars are not on the road. But look, we got to change old, outdated policies. You know, Houston is the largest unzoned city in the world, but we we still have those issues where if you're going to do housing, you have to have X number of parking. So why would you be on a rail station and if you're building townhomes, 
you got to have a two-car garage or a three-car garage based on the number of square feet in the home. That's crazy. And you own a rail line. Uh, but we got to push against that. And why couldn't you do? I've been to conferences in some cities. I'm trying to think out in Long Beach and uh, different other places where you put the little islands right out there and you can have the restaurant out there during this pandemic. I haven't been in a restaurant and I haven't had anybody over inside my house to eat. We've had a few people over in the yard. So if I was going to go to a restaurant whenever I go again, I can assure you there better be some place where they take, where it's outdoors and you could take some of the street to do that. And you can make these things portable at certain times where you're going to have a lot of traffic. You know, you can protect it. You know, most people in their right mind don't go running into a, a boulder if, it, if it's blocked. But we got to get people who get this more active in politics, raising the issues and at critical times when they're doing a capital improvement budget. Basically saying, well, we're going to vote it down. If you don't put the stuff in here to respect cyclists and bikers, we are going to vote it down and then vote it down. Or when it's time to do the budget, you got to go in and make some noise. I mean, I even here, I mean, I can't imagine. I just finally decided when I couldn't get enough people going to raise hell to get me some partners, when my colleagues in other positions come to me and ask me for some of the money I could control, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because you won't fund the stuff I want. That I, that I want you to fund. That helps you, helps me politically, and helps our community. But on our side, we got to get a lot, we got to start raising a little more hell. You get me? And now is the time. Fernando, are you seeing a change in the community members, their perspective in terms of what streets are for? Yes, actually, I'm uh, talking about the LBJ hospital bike lanes. Um, there's no, there's a few sidewalks in the other area. So the bike lanes are, are wide enough. So basically the parking was moved to the right on, on uh, the um, uh, street and leave enough space to park the car outside of the bike lanes so to protect people, okay? And then the other cars will uh, go in the direction um, as uh, the um, uh, street allows. But I have seen people walking, older people pulling their grocery cars on the bike lanes because there is no really a sidewalk. I have seen uh, moms pushing cars, the strollers with kids inside because they don't have, so they, the bike lanes are being used not just for bikes, are being used as a sidewalks. Yeah, it's it, to, to chime in there, Fernando, it's, it, it's almost as if calling them bike lanes now is a little bit passe. Mm-hmm. These are mobility lanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're a little bit of everything. Yeah. The beauty about what you just described there, Fernando, too, is that that car protected uh, space, that car protected bikeway or, or, or mobility lane. Also, if there was a, a sidewalk there, that sidewalk also becomes that much more safe, that much um, more protected. And That's so a it's a it's yeah. a buffer. I mean, you've got the buffer of a parked car, then a bikeway or mobility lane, and then the the sidewalk. And suddenly it becomes a virtuous cycle of it's safer for everyone, regardless of their mode. It's even safer for the motor vehicle driver because you have less travel lanes. They're traveling slower. It, you know, it's it's a virtuous cycle. We need to do more of that, right? Correct. And then uh, one, one of the things with experience when the engineers or public works start striping the lanes and a lot of the community members do not come to the meetings, they are kind of like, what's going on here? Okay, what's happening? Why do we have these lanes? So they park on the bike lane, but before, you know, anything really happens. So when they get it, they respect the areas. But somebody has to kind of come to them and say, hey, this is what this is for. Um, and they start seeing more people riding bikes. Um, I, you know, there's some areas that you don't see uh, people riding, uh, especially downtown, uh, between maybe uh, 11 and 4 p.m. And people say, hey, look, nobody rides this, these things, right? But I say, why don't you come before 7 and after 5? And I have pictures that shows that there's maybe 50 people riding at the same time in the same area. 
But, uh, you know, when you're driving, you just go by once and you don't come back maybe to the next year or so. So that you don't, you get that image on your head that nobody is using them. But now Houston Parks Board and Precinct One are, are uh, aiming to put uh, counters uh, all over different areas so they can move them around. So we can have data of uh, where is uh, all this infrastructure being used um, and at the time. The data is important, I think, to help make the case. And it uh, so when it's something that's quantifiable uh, and the press coverage is important, but we've got to create a, a momentum. They are they have a search firm helping them look for a new executive director of uh, Bike Houston. But I think now is the time to uh, push, and there's so many to get the schools involved. To get we have these muds, mm-hmm. uh, other cities, uh, the city of Houston, more state resources, federal resources, with whatever big infrastructure bill comes down the pipeline. This ought to be a part of it, and you know it can tie into tourism. If we do that trail from Houston to Galveston, I think that will lead to some tourism, some interest in, mm-hmm. you know, Fernando, wasn't it interesting? I mean, you know, I would never think of uh, some of the, the place we stopped. What was it? It was in some little town and it was uh, La Maqueta. Yeah. What was the museum about? I can't remember now, I guess, from riding that bike too long this morning. It's, it was an interesting we, little town. Yeah, it was a really, really nice town. We stopped at different locations and it was nice. I never thought these uh, locations were available if we wouldn't yeah. do it by bike. Yeah. So what advice do you have for the listener out there that might be inspired by our discussions today who want to make a difference in promoting a culture of activity in their community, what advice would you have for them? Try something. You know, try a podcast, use social media. You know, my staff members stop me from putting uh, me cycling all the time because it looks like I'm not working. Uh, you know, but I work it in as part of my deal. But do it. Get the word out and uh, just learn from the advocacy work of others. In a big town, in a small town, whatever it is, uh, and it's so important. You know, look, the middle, we talk about the obesity, but how about the mental health aspects, particularly with what so many people are going through now? Just think of some lives that could be saved, some marriages, some friendships that could be saved simply by getting somebody on a bike for 10 minutes, even if it's a tricycle with a mask. It just changes my whole personality when I when I ride that. You rarely do you see somebody on a bicycle frowning. If you do, that's somebody with a real uh, a real big problem. You really need to help them. Fernando, thank you. Uh, so I would say that bikes change lives. It changed my life. I think it changed the commissioner's life too. But I have seen hundreds of people that the bikes have helped them with the health issues, uh, any kind. And just by being out riding a bike, you you get some freedom. You you lose momentum of what's happening behind you. You um, kind of uh, bring something new to your life when you see and you hear the noises on the parks, the noises on the trails, uh, people talking. Get to meet more people. You get to see. You get to meet more people on bikes than what you normally do on a public uh, transportation. So, and then the other thing that I like about bikes is that the status is the same on all the uh, group ages and people. When you get on a bike, you talk about how many miles have you ride, where do you ride, how safe uh, it is to ride different places, uh, all that. You don't talk about uh, the job. You don't talk about how much money you got. You don't talk about anything else other than what's related to the two bikes. So if we encourage kids to ride a bike now, Kids are going to change their lives in the future. My message is try to get on a bike. Even if you haven't been on a bike in a long time, try it again and and get hooked to it. Hey, John, you gave me a good idea. Fernando, I think you need to start up a podcast down here. Call it a a Bayou Squad. Bayou Squad. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Amplify your voice. That's fantastic. Gentlemen, we're coming to the end of our time, but are there any final point that you'd each like to share that we haven't yet covered? I hope your listeners will uh, share the, your, your podcast with others, uh, not just in, uh, in Houston, but uh, you know, I think the love of cycling is something that uh, more people ought to enjoy. You know, I, this, I think over the years, some of the more interesting rides that I have done uh, throughout my own community. I mentioned the one in Mexico, but I have a good friend. I'm going to send him this podcast, Jerry Dunphy. Uh, 
good Irish Catholic family. Uh, Jerry was diagnosed with diabetes at a very young age. He used to own the Omni Hotels, and real active with the Global Citizen Circle. But uh, we, we've written townships uh, throughout Cape Town and Johannesburg. Uh, we went riding together, you know, with his roots in, in Ireland. But it's just such a, a wonderful experience and just such a great way to see a community. There's no way I would know as much about great cities in the world that I know just by driving in a car on, on mass transit. But when you get on a bike, I've done the five boroughs ride in New York probably 10 times. The MS-150 from uh, Houston to Austin probably about 15 times. I did a, a raising money for the ride schools, a uh, ride across Texas some years ago. It's just, I've done that. You all hooked me up with the folks that do a uh, Shriver family. They do the best buddies ride. And I've done it in California and Washington, D.C. I haven't done one in Florida. But it's such a wonderful way. I've always wanted to do that deal up in Iowa. I wanted to do it with some of the politicians. Ragbri. You know, I've ridden in New Orleans. It just I learned so much about a city. You know, whether it's in the country or abroad. I've even ridden a bicycle in Ethiopia. How about the one I did in Tripoli? Remember that? Uh, Fernando, some of the oil companies heard I was there and I did that bike ride. It still had those Qaddafi signs up uh, everywhere, but uh, I'm sure they've seen a lot of things in uh, Tripoli. A black guy as big as I am in spandex on a bicycle, I think that was a record for him. That was one for the ages. <laughs> Get out and ride. That's my advice to you listeners. Yes, hey, uh, John, just want to share something uh, that I uh, don't want to forget is that um, uh, last year, we received uh, Precinct 1, Harris County Precinct 1, Commissioner Ronnie office, received from the League of American Bicycle uh, recognition of bicycle-friendly business on a gold level. It's the first time a um, county gets this kind of recognition, and specific on a gold level. Normally, you stand in bronze. So that's thank you to all the efforts that uh, Commissioner Ellis is working on and deleting all these efforts. Um, for that, um, you know, every uh, thanks, Commissioner, for uh, all these um, initiatives. Um, Very generous. Hey, I'm glad we're using that tax dollars for something that'll help them instead of just roads. Yes. And then the other, um, Bike Houston recognized Commissioner Ellis too uh, last year during their bike summit on, um, you know, for all the work that he has done. And I'm sure there's more awards and recognition coming up. Because um, every day we have something new happening in Houston. And not just uh, Houston, uh, I would say Precinct 1 to start, and then it opens to, to the city of Houston and other areas. And um, just like Commissioner said, let's get people on bikes. I hope all the listeners are getting on bikes now, even when they can do a trainer at home, even though they can do outside and go for it. Uh, but just be safe, keep the distance, be, follow the rules of the regulation of the road, wear a helmet, wear your lights if you ride at night, and uh, just, you know, make a different world by having a different mode of transportation and a different way to to do exercise. And, wear a um, mask. You wear the mask, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Gentlemen, I, I can't think of a better place to, to bring this to a close. I want to thank you so very much for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. And I'm going to make a commitment to you that uh, once things settle down with our pandemic and we're able to travel, I will get on the road. I'm going to come to Houston. One of the other things that I do with the Active Towns initiative is video profiles of cities that are making major steps towards creating a culture of activity. So that's my commitment to you that I will make it down to the Houston area, come visit you down in Harris County, Precinct 1, and see some of the great things that you're doing, do some in-person interviews, and more importantly, get out on the bike on some of that wonderful infrastructure that y'all have been putting down, and maybe even profile one of the programs that you're working on, Fernando. I'd love to be able to profile some of those wonderful encouragement and engagement uh, activities that you're doing. So once again, Commissioner Ellis, Fernando, thank you so very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you here today on the Active Towns podcast. Thank you. Stay safe. You too, Fernando. Thank you, Commissioner. Bye, John. Thank you very much. Thank you all so very much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed this discussion about the amazing things that are transpiring in the Houston area. 
please be sure to check out the fantastic photos that Commissioner Ellis and Fernando have provided and I have profiled on the Active Towns website on the page for this episode. You'll also find the show notes and links on this page. Again, our website address is activetowns, that's plural, dot O-R-G. Just a quick reminder before we part ways, please drop me a line if you have any suggested topics and or guests. My email is john, that's J-O-H-N, at activetowns, that's plural, dot O-R-G. It's always so wonderful to hear from y'all. And as always, if you're enjoying the Active Towns podcast, please help us grow the audience by telling a friend or two. Okay, that's all for episode number 38. Thanks once again for listening. Please take care of yourselves and one another. And until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Cheers.